What's up, everyone? Welcome to episode four of Crime and Court USA, recording this on May 4th, 2021. I'm your host, Mundo Carrillo, and this is my weekly podcast where I tell you about weekly news, weekly things going on in the world of crime and legal news across America. I hope you guys are doing well. I, uh, I'm doing all right. I'm still living the pandemic life. I actually, um, I went to a car show up at a mall in Santa Fe, New Mexico the other day, and um, it felt pretty good. It, it felt good to be at an event like that once again. There's a lot of people around. It, it was an outdoor event, so pe- people were kind of spaced around. A lot of people were wearing masks, even outside, and yeah, it just felt good to do something that was a little more normal. I, I think we're getting there. We're almost getting there. As more people get vaccinated across America and, and elsewhere, I think we're I think we've seen the worst of COVID. Hopefully, I really hope. I know stuff's popping off in India. It's getting real bad there, but I think for the most part we may have seen the worst of the pandemic. I hope that's true. I think we're all ready to get back to normal, aren't we? What else? Oh, um, I created a Facebook page, so go check it out if you're on Facebook. I kind of want that to be a place where. The community can kind of talk to each other and stuff. I also want to engage directly with the audience, and I think that would be a good place to start. So go check that out. All right. So it turns out a lot of stuff happened last Wednesday when the last episode published. So <laughs> we're going to talk about some stuff that uh, that actually happened last week, but I think it's uh, worth talking about. Number one, the FBI executed a search warrant at the apartment and office of former New York City mayor and former President Trump's personal attorney, Rudy Giuliani. They raided the uh, apartment and the office on April 28th as part of an investigation into work he did for political leaders in Ukraine. The centers around him basically uh, breaking lobby laws. This is a whole kind of complicated saga with uh, the Trump administration and Ukraine and Russia and foreign governments and stuff. It was the subject of his first impeachment trial. I'm not going to try to dig into it too deeply. I just kind of do my best to gloss over Giuliani's involvement. So here it goes. Giuliani's accused of working with Ukrainian leaders to possibly include the former president of Ukraine to get rid of the American ambassador to the country. Both sides had their reasons. I think the Trump administration had their reasons for doing it. They wanted the Ukrainians to dig up dirt on Hunter Biden, who is now President Joe Biden's son. Hunter Biden was on a board of an energy company in the Ukraine. So the Trump administration, the Trump team, they wanted some dirt on Hunter. And the Ukrainians also wanted this ambassador out. So I think that's, to my understanding, that's where Giuliani might be in trouble doing work for a foreign government while not registering as a foreign agent. Let's get into that. This is a a quote from the New York Times, who first broke the story, by the way. It is a federal crime to try to influence or lobby the United States government at the request or direction of a foreign official without disclosing it to the Justice Department. At least one of the search warrants for Mr. Giuliani's devices explicitly stated that the possible crimes under investigation included violations of that law, which is the Foreign Agents Registration Act, according to one person with knowledge of the matter, end quote. So they, they seized a bunch of electronic devices. 
You might be looking into communication, electronic communication between Giuliani and Ukrainian officials, including possibly former President Petro Poroshenko. Looks like criminal charges may come out of this based off how public it is and based off others who have worked for Trump getting charged criminally as well and convicted. Some of them have gotten convicted. We'll get to that later. But I'm thinking criminal charges may come down on Giuliani. Whether or not he, he gets convicted is another thing. But I think the federal government has to file charges at this point if they're going to execute search warrants. And again, everyone knows about it. Not their fault. It seems like the New York Times, where they quoted one person with knowledge of the matter, I think they got tipped off by someone on the inside of the Justice Department. Who knows? Who knows? I mean, they it, it's out there in the public. Not that they want it to be necessarily, but it's out there. And yeah, I, I think uh, charges may come out of this. Giuliani, of course, has denied any wrongdoing and said that the Justice Department ignores crimes done by Democrats like Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden. And as I said earlier, just another one of someone inside Trump's circle getting involved in a criminal matters. I have a, have a list of them written down. I don't know if this is a comprehensive list, if it's everybody, but some, some notable people like Paul Manafort, Trump's former campaign manager, who was convicted of failing to register for political work he may have done in the Ukraine. So pretty similar to what Giuliani's being investigated for. I think he did, uh, Manafort did some, uh, some political consulting for an official in Ukraine and never uh, registered with the Justice Department. There's uh, Michael Cohen, Trump's former lawyer, who was sentenced to three years in prison and was required to pay $50,000 in fines after pleading guilty to tax evasion and campaign finance violations. And there's Roger Stone, a former political advisor to Trump. He was sentenced to 40 months in prison after being convicted of witness tampering, obstructing an official proceeding, and making false statements. He was, though, eventually pardoned by President Trump. He was accused of obstructing the investigation into Russian uh, interference in the 2016 presidential election. That old saga. We all remember that, don't we? <laughs> oh, boy. So, yeah. Yeah, not, not, going, not going too well for Trump's boys. Oh, do, do you guys see the story about uh, Facebook's having like a, uh, an independent panel of people determining if Trump could basically get his account back? Because <laughs> Facebook suspended Trump's account when, after the, um, the January 6th riot at the Capitol. He tweeted or he, he posted something that day on Facebook about how his supporters shouldn't forget this and how... Uh, I'm paraphrasing here how the election was stolen from them and they need to act or something like that. I forget. But, you know, making false claims that the uh, election was stolen and inciting a riot is what Facebook determined. So they're going to have a panel and decide if he gets his account back, which is kind of funny. That's obviously they're only doing that because he's a former president. If it was just some guy just, you know, being a troll, I don't think they can be a panel to make a determination here, but because he's a former president, that's a big deal. So that'll be kind of interesting to follow as well. All right, moving on. Let's go to this story out of San Diego, where three people were killed and 27 were injured when a boat capsized near the Point Loma area, which is apparently a pretty rocky area, a lot of cliffs and stuff. It's what investigators believe is a possible human smuggling operation. So there were a total of 32 people on this small 40-foot boat. All but two were Mexican nationals, according to Customs and Border Protection. 
and one American who was on the boat is in custody. Doing research for the story, it looked like uh, this is actually common, smuggling drugs and smuggling humans in this area in Southern California as more and more people try to, uh, to get into the country via the ocean instead of crossing the border physically on land. And of course, the smugglers don't really care about the safety of the people they're transporting. It's all about getting as many people over and it's really all about the bottom dollar. I guess that's what the uh, customs people say about it, the people who are investigating it. This kind of reminds me, I think something similar happened not long ago in California. It was, it was an SUV packed with a lot of people. That crashed and a lot of people died. So this stuff uh, becoming common, unfortunately. All right, let me give you guys an update to a story I did last week. And that is a North Carolina judge delaying the release of police video in the fatal shooting of 42-year-old Andrew Brown in Elizabeth City, North Carolina. The judge, Jeff Foster, said the release would compromise the investigation of the shooting. So presumably the video will be released to the public 30 days from April 30th which is when the judge made that decision. Brown was killed by sheriff's deputies who were attempting to serve a search and arrest warrant on him. They believed that he was selling drugs, and so they apparently had a confidential informant buy drugs from him, and they were moving in on arrest. The sheriff's office hasn't said much about the case. I think the state is still investigating, as a lot of states do when there is an officer-involved shooting or when, when an officer shoots somebody. Brown's family has gotten lawyers and they say that they were shown a snippet of the video that shows Andrew Brown not posing a threat at the time he was shot. They said his hands were on the steering wheel of his car and that he was driving away and not reaching for a gun or any kind of weapon. So when that uh, when that video becomes public, we will probably discuss it. Oh, and uh, this just came in right before I started recording. Derek Chauvin's attorney has filed a motion for a new trial. Derek Chauvin is the former Minneapolis police officer who was convicted last month of killing George Floyd in May 2020 by kneeling on his neck for several minutes. The attorney, Eric Nelson, wrote in the motion that the publicity around the case caused prejudice towards his client Chauvin. Basically, it caused a predetermination that he was already guilty of murder. And uh, Nelson also argued that there should have been what's called a change of venue, where basically lawyers argue that there's so much publicity in this the area where the crime occurred, usually the county where the crime occurred, that people already have an opinion on it. So in, in big cases that are highly publicized, lawyers will try to get the case taken to a different county in the state where maybe less people have heard about it. That didn't happen here. And the lawyer is arguing that that should have happened. So this was expected. A lot of people thought that there would be some kind of appeal or a motion for a new trial or something like that. There usually is in a lot of cases. You know, defense lawyers, they'll fight for their clients. They'll try to do what they can. They'll argue that something went wrong or whatever. They'll try to get a new trial. They'll try to get an appeal. So nothing out of the ordinary here, honestly. But um, that's uh, that's happening. And uh, we'll definitely keep an eye on that. All right, let's move on to our Supreme Court story of the week. I had to talk about this case. Good old freedom of speech case. It involves a high schooler, 14-year-old Brandy Levy. She was a high schooler in Pennsylvania, and she posted on Snapchat, quote, F school, F softball, F cheer, F everything, end quote. And yeah, she's not saying F, she's saying the F word. Yeah. So using some foul language there. Uh, she was a freshman, and then because of that post, she got suspended for the cheerleading squad for a year. She appealed that to the superintendent and to the school board, and when that didn't work, 
she and her parents filed the lawsuit with the help of the ACLU, the American Civil Liberties Union. They typically get involved in civil rights cases. For example, in New Mexico, very recently, well, about a year ago when the pandemic started, they started filing a lot of lawsuits on behalf of prisoners here in the state saying that the pandemic uh, poses a danger to them and they should get be let out early. It didn't work. <laughs> they tried, the, the, the Supreme Court didn't agree with that. But Anyways, they, they do stuff like that, right? So they this case <laughs> was big enough for them to get involved, and the case made it all the way through the federal appeals circuit and made it to the Supreme Court, which is the very last case. It's the very last place that a case will end up in, in America. So the ruling here can set a precedent, and it looks like the justices were arguing about what, I guess, how far can you go? Like, what can you say? before discipline is necessary. <laughs> it looks like, I mean, there, there's this argument that, hey, she was she was off school grounds. She has a right to freedom of speech. She shouldn't have been punished for this. But the other side is, well, can you do anything? Can you, uh, I don't know, can, can you call your coach an idiot <laughs> or something and, and not face consequences for that? Can you, can you talk trash about some teachers and, and not face consequences with that? It, it's a pretty deep issue. It's pretty interesting. So, I wanted to bring that up. And I think that's all I have to talk about this week. Remember to rate and review the show. Share it with your friends. Share it with your enemies. Again, check out our Facebook page. And I will see you guys next week. Later.